Welcome to Eureka Conspiracy and Paranormal Podcasts, where we dive into the realm of the unexplained phenomena, mysterious creatures, and the conspiracies that surround them. In this episode, we embark on an enthralling journey into the enigma that has captured imaginations of many. Bigfoot. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> That's a hard <laughs> eye roll, okay? <laughs> this is uh, given to us. This was suggested by one of our listeners, Backup2008. Don't know his real name, but that was his name. Uh, he said it's very vanilla, but he likes Bigfoot. So, giving you guys what you asked for. So, unveiling the enigma, exploring the mysteries of Bigfoot. Um, The legend takes shape. Bigfoot, also known as Sasquatch, has become an iconic figure in the realm of cryptozoology. This elusive creature, described as a large, hairy humanoid inhabiting remote forests, has been a part of folklore and legends for centuries. While skeptics dismiss it as a product of myth and misidentification, the fascination surrounding Bigfoot persists. So there's always been talk and, you know, rumors and stuff of Bigfoot, but this is kind of what kicked it off into pop culture and popularity. It's the Patterson-Gimlin film of 1967, arguably cemented Bigfoot into the American folklore more than any other sighting in history. So <laughs> the guys that I game with, right? So we downloaded there's a there's a game called Bigfoot and Oh yeah. yeah. And we played it. It's a it's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, so there's like a bunch of cabins around and in the cabins they have a TV and they're actually playing this video. Mhm. With the Sasquatch with Bigfoot whatever. Yeah. I just wanted to say that. Same scenes from it. Yeah, they have it playing. I mean, it's like a loop, but... Do you know this film This uh, film no. that they're talking about? Well, yes, I know what it is. Yeah, I yeah. know about it, but I've never of course, delved into it. But you've seen it, I'm sure. Yeah. Everybody's seen this one. Yeah, but I've never delved into it. It's not my cup of tea. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's just because there's some crazy people out there that... The, the Squatchers. That's what they call them. Oh, wow. <laughs> of course, Sasquatch was known among several indigenous North American tribes and American newspapers reported sighting as early as the late 1800s, but no actual footage of the beast existed until Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin faded trip. It was October 20th, my birthday, of that year when the two men rode their horses through Bluff Creek, California. It's called Bluff. Bluff, <laughs> Bluff Creek. Well, you know, when I was looking at that chart, uh, California actually gets more sightings than Texas does. Texas gets a lot per year, but California gets a lot more. Washington seems to get the most, though. But they are right next to Canada. I'm sure Canada's oh, wow, littered yeah. with sightings. It's probably called a Yeti. No, no, no. I'm the same fucking thing. Yeti is snow. Yeah, it's just Think a it white way. Bigfoot. Yeah, it's just in another section. It's a section of the planet. Patterson has been obsessed with the mythical beast, eager to produce films, and authored books on the subject. Gimlin was merely an old friend who joined Patterson in support. 
Around 1 p.m. that day, their horses suddenly kicked as a strange scent filled the air. Then the men spotted a furry creature ambling on two legs about 100 feet away. What a funny word. Ambling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the two men dismounted, and Patterson used his trusty, kind Kodak camera to capture the beast on 16-millimeter film. Boy, Kodak is old. Ever since, Patterson and Gimlin's film has been scrutinized, lauded, and criticized in equal measure. Some have deemed it the most elaborate prank in history, while others, including esteemed researchers, see it as the most convincing Bigfoot evidence ever recorded. But skeptics have argued that because Patterson profited so thoroughly from the short film, he also certainly developed the footage as a forgery on purpose. Indeed, Patterson did take the film on a nationwide tour, charging emissions, and even published a book on Bigfoot the year prior. Many thus deemed him a huckster who finally caught a lucky break with the contentious video. Costume designer Philip Morris even claimed that he himself sold Patterson the costume seen in the film. Later, a Yakima, Washington man named Bob Haramonis alleged that Patterson had paid him to don the costume. The Patterson-Gimlin film has staunch defenders. However, uh, Idaho University professor Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum, for instance, believes that the musculature and limb ratios captured in the footage are way too precise to have been forged, particularly for a video from 1967. Bob Gimlin himself has never wavered from any detail of the account. Unfortunately, the Patterson, ultimately, Muscoozy, the Patterson-Gimlin film laid the foundation for how Bigfoot sightings were to be received moving forward, but it is just one of the Sasquatch encounters chronicle here that is simply too intriguing to ignore. For our next section, this is probably my favorite section because this is where it comes from. This is the Native American mythology, and this is all taken off a of wiki, this section. Uh, many of the indigenous cultures across the North American continent include tales of mysterious hair-covered creatures living in the forest, and according to anthropologist David Dalgling, these legends existed long before contemporary reports of the creature described as Bigfoot. These stories differed in their details regionally and between families in the same community and are particularly prevalent in the Pacific Northwest. On the Tool River Indian Reservation, petroglyphs created by a tribe of Yokuts at a site called Painted Rock are allegedly by some to depict a group of Bigfoot called the Family. The local tribespeople call the largest of the glyphs Hairy Man, and they are estimated to be between 500 and 1,000 years old. 16th century Spanish explorers and Mexican settlers told tales of the Los Vigilantes Oscuros, or the Dark Watchers, large creatures alleged to stalk their camps at night. In the region that is now Mississippi, a Jesuit priest was living with the Natchez in 1721 
and reported stories of hairy creatures in the forest known to scream loudly and to steal livestock. Ecologist Robert Pyle argues that most cultures have accounts of human-like giants in their folk history, expressing a need for some larger-than-life creature. Each language had its name for the creature featured in the local version of such legends. Many names mean something along the lines of wild man or hairy man, although other names describe common actions that it was said to perform, such as eating clams or shaking trees. Chief Michel of Naluka Pamuks at Linton, British Columbia, told such a story to Charles Hilltout in 1898. The Steales people tell stories about Saskets, a shape-shifting creature that protects the forest. The Sasquatch... You gotta quit moving that Sorry. one. Sorry. Good God. <laughs> you make me dizzy. The name Sasquatch is the Antalized version of Saskatchewan. Roughly translating to hairy man in the Halkilum language. We get a lot of words wrong here, okay? So that's pretty interesting what they say there is that they're the protectors of the forest. Makes sense. So, I mean, what what I know about a little bit of it is that some of them look at them as protectors of the forest and other than other ones look at them as like an elemental and like a malevolent spirit. Mm -hmm. So some of them don't even look at them as, as physical, they look at them as like spiritual. Mm. Uh, members of the Lumi tell tales about creatures known as Teskmekwees. The stories are similar to each other in the general descriptions of them, but details differed among various family accounts concerning the creature's diet and activities. Some regional virgin versions <laughs> tell Good of more grief. threatening creatures. The Stiyaha, or Kiwikihawa, were a nocturnal race, and children were warned against saying the names so that the, quote, monsters would not come and carry them off to be killed. That's something that they say about the skinwalkers as well. They don't talk about them. You know that? Like the Indians, they, do, they mm -hmm. don't talk about them, period. Like you, you can ask them about it, but they're not going to tell you. Like they keep it to themselves. So they have like multiple creatures. That seems like They it. have multiple creatures that they talked about in their folklore and that they would take the kids if they said something. Hmm. Just to keep them in line. That's interesting. I heard a yeah. pretty crazy story the other day of a guy who supposedly was saved by a, a Sasquatch because he was getting attacked by a Wendigo. Is <laughs> <laughs> that the story you're telling me about? No, no, I didn't oh. tell you about this one. It, it, it was honestly pretty interesting until the very end because he said he left the tribute for it on a rock. He left a bunch of meats and stuff on this flat rock. And when he came back later, the meats were gone. And there was a fang from the Wendigo there, which that was it for me. I was like, bullshit. I said, because you would have showed this tooth off. You would have took it home. You didn't even say you grabbed it. So you just seen the tooth and left it. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> if it was real, you would have took it home, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, yeah, you can move up now. <laughs> Getting close to the bottom. Uh, the Iroquois tales of an aggressive hair-covered giant with rock-hard skin known as the Oat near Yahe, or the Stone Giant, more commonly referred to as the Jinoskawa. In 1847, Paul Kane reported stories by the natives about Skukums, a race of cannibalistic wild men living in the peak of Mount St. Helens. U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt, in his 1893 book, The Wilderness Hunter, writes of a story he was told by an elderly mountain man named Bauman in which a foul-smelling bipedal creature ransacked his beaver trapping camp, stalked him, and later became hostile when it fatally broke his companion's neck. Oh my god. Really? Theodore Roosevelt wrote about it. Was that Roosevelt said? Yeah. Oh, somebody told him. Oh. That would have been crazy but if he you were a witness it. to it. That's ridiculous. That's cr- we, a lot of people say, though, that have come in encounter with a Bigfoot, that they, they stink. Yes. They smell. That's something that's very prevalent, is the smell. They say it's something like a mix between like a skunk and rotting meat. Gross. Yeah. So in other words, like you can smell it from far away. And that's believable because you can smell a pig when a pig is nearby. Pigs stink. So like a lot of people are like, well, how the hell you smell? I can't smell that bad. But wait. Have they, have they ever been up close well, to a skunk? <laughs> well, yeah, but a skunk is a skunk, you know? You're going to smell that. But, like, just a pig. A pig stinks so bad mm. you can smell it from mm. when it's pretty far away. It's like a musty, musty smell. Musty, dusty. <laughs> Roosevelt notes that Bauman appeared fearful while telling the story, but attributed the trapper's German ancestry to have potentially influenced him. Less menacing versions have been recorded, such as one by Reverend Elika Walker in 1840. Walker was a Protestant missionary who recorded stories of giants among the natives living near Spokane, Washington. These giants were said to live on and around the peaks of the nearby mountains, stealing salmon from the fishermen's nets. What is that? Salmon. Salmon? Salmon? It's salmon. Salmon, salmon, whatever. Salmon. I was saying it the Washington way. Um, In recent times, numerous individuals claim to have encountered Bigfoot firsthand, providing an intriguing mix of stories, photographs, and videos as evidence. While some sightings can be easily dismissed as hoaxes or misinterpretations, others present a compelling case for further investigation. These modern encounters have fueled the curiosity and debate surrounding Bigfoot's existence. Scientific investigations. Why did I choose this one? (laughs) Beyond antidotal accounts. Is that what that word is? Sure. I don't know why I'm asking you. Yes, antidotal. There have been concerted concerted scientific efforts to unravel the mystery the mystery of bigfoot researchers and enthusiasts let me stop running my words together have employed various methods to track document 
to track documents and analyze the evidence associated with this elusive creature. From footprint casts to hair samples, these investigations aim to gather tangible proof and shed light on the truth behind the legend. Skepticism, skepticism, and debunking. skepticism. 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 Whatever. <laughs> oh my god. I'm trying to mess you up more. Stop! <laughs> I kept repeating it. <laughs> I hate that. Oh, by the way, at the end, maybe we'll throw it in somewhere around here if we find the right time for it. But we can throw out some theories about Bigfoot at the end. Okay. 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 Onward. Onward. <laughs> As with any paranormal phenomenon, skepticism plays a crucial role in critically examining the evidence and claims and claims related to Bigfoot. Skeptics argue that many sightings can be attributed to misidentifications of known animals or elaborate hoaxes. They question the lack of definitive scientific confirmation and highlight the challenges faced by researchers in the pursuit of concrete evidence. So one thing, like I could see some, a lot of those actually being a misinterpretation of animals because bears stand on their hind legs right. when they're trying to get a better view of things. Yeah, and if you're and at a distance and you see it, it's going to look like something yeah, different. Yeah, and they're going to be really tall when they stand up. Well, yeah, yeah. For sure. As we conclude this section of our exploration into the mysteries of Bigfoot, we introduce, we've introduced the legends, culture, origins, touched on modern sightings, discussed scientific investigations, and acknowledged the skeptical perspective. In the upcoming section, as we dive deeper into the evidence, theories, and controversies surrounding Bigfoot, aiming to separate fact from fiction in this intriguing quest for the truth. Gang, gang. Shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> Good uh, unraveling the evidence, footprints, and physical traces. In our quest to uncover the truth about Bigfoot, one of the most compelling lines of evidence comes in the form of footprints and physical traces left behind by this elusive creature. Throughout the years, numerous alleged Bigfoot footprints have been discovered, capturing the imagination of believers and skeptics alike. 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 <laughs> the intriguing footprints. Bigfoot footprints are typically large Oof. and distinct. What? That's a mouthful. Bigfoot footprints. Yeah, Bigfoot footprints. It's a foot foot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Often measuring around 15 to 24 inches in length, and displaying a human-like shape with visible toes. Close. These footprints have been found in diverse terrains, including dense forests, muddy areas, and snow-covered landscapes. Many of these prints show dermal ridges, similar to fingerprints, further adding to their authenticity. Yeah, and you know, each of those sections have a different name for them, too. Each of what sections? Like... And forested areas is Sasquatch, Bigfoot, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Muddy areas like Louisiana. I don't think they call it Louisiana, but I know Florida. Stop, man. I know Florida is the skunk ape. And oh, then, really? Uh -huh. And then, um, you know, the snow, of course, is the Yeti. The Yeti. There's actually quite a, there's a lot of them around the world. You know, for some reason, when somebody says Yeti, I think of, um, oh my God. What's his name from Star Wars? Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Oh. I don't know why. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say this. The 
a bomb little snowman from Rudolph. No. <laughs> That's where I thought you were going Oh, no, going when somebody that. says Yeti, I think of, I think of him. <laughs> For some reason, I think that's the noise that they make. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to add a recording in of the sound so people can hear alleged Bigfoot recordings. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we weren't talking about Chewbacca? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not going to throw that in there. Come I on should. <laughs> when no, a Bigfoot Mom. footprint is discovered, researchers often take plaster or silicone cast to preserve the impression. These casts serve as tangible evidence of the creature's presence and allow for detailed analysis. Researchers scrutinize the cast for anatomical features such as arches, metarsal breaks, and foot proportions, comparing them to known primate footprints and ruling out potential hoaxes. Controversies and Challenges While Bigfoot footprints can be captivating, you done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can be captivating. They have not been without controversy. Skeptics argue that many of the prints can be explained as misidentified bear tracks, human-made hoaxes, or natural processes that create misleading impressions. Bullshit. First two I agree to, but natural processes that... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Where? Differentiating between genuine tracks and potential hoaxes is an ongoing challenge in the field, demanding careful analysis and scrutiny. Well, did you know that back then they would make, um, for when they were doing uh, moonshine, they would make shoes with cow footprints on them, but backwards, so it looked like it was it was cows walking, not humans. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I've also seen similar hoaxes where they do things like that, but they get a like a plaster cast made of like a big supposed Bigfoot impression yeah, yeah, yeah. and put them on the bottom of their shoes and walk around. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they they did they they put, they put the cow hooves on there simply to you know deter the police from their yeah. moonshining business. <laughs> and I'm not doubting Bigfoot because it's very well possible, but there's just way too many hoaxes out there to bring any evidence forward. I'm not saying it ain't real, but it's I'm, possible. I'm just, it's all over the fucking place, man. Everybody, you, you it's everybody's everybody wants story. to be the one discovering them. I don't give or a having shit. the story. Who the fuck discovers it? Just discover it and be honest well, about that's it. That's what I'm saying. They, you know, they got the Bigfoot shows where they're knocking on a tree and then they hear a knocking out in the woods or they're hollering and then they hear another holler out in the woods. <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, that's so easily faked. Mm hmm. Definitely. Controversies and challenges. But then the other thing. Did, did I? Yeah. Oh, whoopsie. It's I did. Samples and so, um, but, you know, that would be another thing, though. If it is real, then it's very elusive because not everybody sees it. So it's going to be hard to get samples and evidence of it, especially if it's super intelligent yeah. and it wants to be hidden. Yeah, it stays with me. I must be one. <laughs> stays away from the people. Fuck away from everybody. Okay, so I guess we can get into a little bit of some theories about him. So, you heard the spiritual aspect where he could just be a, a woodland spirit. Mm -hmm. So, that would explain how he's so easily hidden all the time. Right. Uh, there's also a saying that supposedly a lot of Bigfoot sightings coincide with UFO sightings. So, 
aliens? Yes. So that's what they're saying. <laughs> Some people alien? have even proposed that maybe they're the aliens piloting the ships. <gasps> so he is Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then what's another one? And then another one is that they live in another dimension. So they're able to phase in and out of Ooh, our dimension. Weird. So Weird. they can be here when they want to be and then disappear completely listen, when they don't want listen. to. Listen, I like the Chewbacca theory. Okay, fine. You have the Chewbacca theory. <laughs> I like the Chewbacca theory. <laughs> Hair samples and DNA analysis. In addition to footprints, other avenue of investigation lies in the analysis of hair samples allegedly attributed to Bigfoot. These samples are often collected from trees, nests, or encountered on branches. Researchers have conducted microscopic examinations and DNA analysis on these samples to determine their origin. However, obtaining reliable DNA evidence has proved elusive so far, as contamination and lack of... Jeez, I got the hiccup. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> as contamination and lack of reference samples pose significant challenges. Other physical traces... Beyond footprints and hair samples, there have been reports of other physical traces linked to Bigfoot encounters. These include broken branches, tree structures, vocalization, and even alleged nest or bedding areas. While these traces are often subjective and open to interpretation, they add to the overall tapestry of evidence surrounding Bigfoot and contribute to the ongoing exploration of this mysterious creature. So that's one thing that definitely I find more compelling than the footprints is whenever they find the tree structures out in the woods. Mm -hmm. What do you mean, like tree structures? Supposedly they marked their territory this way, and I've seen it. I've seen like pictures and videos of like what these look like. They literally rip a tree out of the ground, like tree trunk. Yeah, yeah. Huge tree. Yeah, yeah. And flip it upside down and jam it into the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we've talked about that. So it's like you point. see the roots and stuff right, at the right, top. Right, right, But it's a, tr a tree, a huge tree trunk stuck into the ground upside down. How do they do that? Strong. I never want to come encounter with one of them motherfuckers. <laughs> I find, I mean, you go way out in the middle of the woods and you find that. It's like, that's a real mystery. I take how, a fucking how picture. Did, how did that end up I'm there? Like, like anybody that? else scratching their head here. But you know what I mean? That's a lot. It's, it's a lot, I mean, they could hoax it, but that's a lot of effort. They would have to have a lot of people lifting Well, you would it. have to have a lot of, like, right. like you can't take no equipment have, out there. Well, you would have to have forestry equipment in order to do something like that, right? So, you would see the tracks. Yeah. Of the. And I mean, it's in, a lot of times it's in such a remote area. Yeah. So, like, I find that really intriguing, the tree structures for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The search continues. The examination <clears throat> of footprints and physical traces represent an essential aspect of Bigfoot research as they provide tangible and potentially verifiable evidence. However, the quest for definitive proof continues to challenge researchers and enthusiasts alike. The elusive nature of Bigfoot, coupled with the need for rigorous scientific scrutiny, highlights the importance of continued investigation to uncover the truth behind the legend. In the next section of our exploration into Bigfoot, we will dive into another intriguing aspect, audio recordings and vocalizations attributed to the cryptid. So, question. 
Right. So they found the bedding. So they've they've found Bigfoot beds, right? That they they make their beds or whatever. You know what they mean by bedding? It's just grass that's laid over. That could be done by a deer. That could be done by a pig. <clears throat> right. But I thought we were watching a show. Not a time. literal bed. What? Well, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, so what I mean by that is like that. The, we were watching a show one time, and they actually have like it was like sticks and stuff, and like looked like a giant nest. So, mm-hmm. in any of those things that they have found bedding, right? Have they found hair? Because I'm sure, like humans, we fucking lose hair. I mean, just ask me. I agree. There's people that claim to have gotten scat, have gotten hair samples, sent it in to be tested, and it's either written off or they, you know, like saying it's from another animal or they just don't get back to them at all. Oh, cover-ups. Yeah. They cover it up. And, I mean, there's, um, there's also a conspiracy out there that that's what our national parks are actually designed for is that the national parks are set up to conserve the Bigfoot because they live inside of our national parks and people, you know, aren't allowed to go like Yellowstone. Right. And they're so big. The areas but are so big. Never, Yellowstone's they could massive. Also found out that Yellowstone has pockets that you can fall into and get boiled alive. Oh my God. Like there's just thin crust. And Ooh, you can't Ooh. tell it looks like ground, and Ooh. you just step on it. It's happened a lot. Well, I'm never going. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. All right. That's scary. First break. We will be back with our next section. We're back. We're back. <laughs> Echoes in the forest, audio recordings, and vocalizations. In the realm of Bigfoot research, audio recordings and vocalizations play a significant role in capturing the attention and curiosity of enthusiasts. <clears throat> These haunting sounds, believed to be admitted by the elusive creature, offer a unique avenue for investigation and exploration. So the oh, I'm scrolling on the wrong thing. The mysterious vocalization. Witnesses and researchers have reported hearing a range of vocalizations attributed to Bigfoot encounters. These sounds vary from deep gurgle growls to high-pitched screams and eerie howls. Some have described them as sounding distinctly inhuman, conveying a sense of power and primal energy. Well, I would say yes, because they're still an animal. Uh, The nature and purpose of these vocalizations remain a subject of speculation and fashion fascination notable auto notable notable audio can you not (laughs) notable audio recordings over the years several notable audio recordings have emerged claiming to capture the vocalization of bigfoot one such recording is the famous syria sounds captured in the syria nevada mountains by ron moorhead and ai barry in the 1970s These recordings feature a series of unique, unidentifiable vocalizations that have baffled experts and sparked debates within the Bigfoot research community. Uh, Researchers and audio experts employ various techniques to analyze Bigfoot vocalizations. 
Spectrograms, which represent the frequency and intensity of sound over time, are commonly used to visualize and compare these mysterious sounds. By examining the spectrograms, researchers attempt to identify patterns, distinct vocalizations, and potential communication methods employed by Bigfoot. <clears throat> Interpreting the vocalizations. Inter <coughs> oh my gosh, excuse me. Interpreting the meaning behind Bigfoot vocalizations poses a significant challenge. Some researchers, some researchers suggest that these sounds serve as a form of communication between individuals, while others propose that they are territorial displays or mating calls. Despite efforts to decipher their meaning, the true purpose and intent behind these vocalizations remain speculative and open to interpretation. As with any aspect of Bigfoot research, vocalizations are now are not without controversy and skepticism. Critics argue that many recorded sounds can be attributed to known animals such as bears, cougars, or even human vocalizations mimicking the creature. Cougars is it cougars or is it panthers out here that we panthers, have? Panthers, but foxes sound really weird. What too. is that? Because one night, remember, it's we were fox. just we heard it. And it sounded like a, a lady, like, screaming. Yeah. And we never I knew. I was panicking. And I didn't know what, the what heck it was. was. I thought, and for, like, for the longest time, we didn't know what it was. And then I started speculating that maybe it was a panther. And then, come to find out, I seen a video one day of a fox being vocal. And I was like, that was what we heard. Oh, it didn't do? Ring, ding, 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 Apparently, that's not what the fox says. <laughs> no, it sounds like a screaming lady. <laughs> yes. It's creepy. It, it's like a, it's a, if you hear it at night ever, it's like a haunting sound. It is. It's really scary. And it's dead on exactly how it sounded. Yeah. That, rah, rah, just yeah. like that. It's creepy. Very creepy. Anyways. Additionally, the presence of hoaxes and misinterpretations necessitates rigorous scrutiny and careful analysis. Did I scroll up too far? No, you're good. Oh, okay analysis when evaluating audio recordings uh, while audio recordings provide tantalizing glimpses into the auditory world of bigfoot skeptics often 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 i'm making new words here demand <laughs> additional evidence to validate these claims the scientific community emphasizes the need for multiple lines of corroborating evidence such as visual encounters, physical traces, or even DNA samples to establish the authenticity of the vocalizations definitively. How would you, because what if you can't get close enough to get any kind of like, well, I guess visual encounters you'd be able to, but if it's at yes. night, you wouldn't be able to see it. About vi visual? I thought we were talking about audio. Yeah, it says while audio, it's talking about audio recordings. It says the scientific the scientific community emphasizes the need for multiple lines of corroborate, corroborating 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 <laughs> evidence, <laughs> such as visual encounters, physical traces, or even DNA samples. Yeah, they're just basically saying the scientific community needs evidence, and it's hard. Like they're not getting enough evidence. Well, we to know how scientists think. Say. Yeah, yeah. We know how scientists think. Not outside the box. Uh, 
continuing the exploration as we conclude our exploration of audio recordings and the vocalizations attributed to bigfoot we acknowledge the alluring and enigma that add to the ongoing investigation in the next section we talk about the skepticism surrounding the bigfoot phenomenon we will address common explanations debunk misconceptions and delve deeper into the challenges faced by researchers in their quest for conclusive evidence conclusive conclusive Right, separating fact from fiction, skepticism and debunking. In the realm of Bigfoot research, skepticism and critical analysis play a crucial role in separating fact from fiction. It is essential to subject the evidence and claims surrounding the Bigfoot to rigorous scrutiny to ensure that the truth prevails. Misidentifications and hoaxes. One of the primary arguments put forth by skeptics is that many reported Bigfoot sightings can be attributed to misidentifications of known animals or deliberate hoaxes. In areas where bears are prevalent, encounters with these creatures can lead to mistaken identities due to shared physical characteristics such as size, shape, and gait. Whatever that is. That's like basically like muscle structure. I'm guessing. I think that's... Bears are not... Well, I mean, they're muscly, but... They're big. Because, you know, when they stand up, their chest is all puffed out. They're, and then their their arms... Or their... I guess it would be their legs. Their legs look <laughs> their like leg arms, arms. But they're long, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, misproportionate. Yeah. Yeah, they are misproportionate. Um, God dang it. You made me lose <laughs> I'm <this>. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Additionally, individuals seeking attention or perpetrating elaborate pranks have been known to stage hoaxes, further muddying the waters of credibility. Absolutely. That's very true, because I don't believe any Bigfoot videos I get anymore. Any Anytime I see one, don't well, This believe. is why I write this subject off so much, is because it's, it's everywhere. Everybody has seen a Bigfoot, right? Yeah. Everybody. Everybody has seen one. I haven't seen one. I haven't seen one. <laughs> so I don't go out looking for it either. No, I'm no, not no. trying to get my head ripped off, ripped off my shoulders. Uh, lack of conclusive scientific confirmation. Despite decades of reported sightings and research efforts, skeptics point out the absence of definitive scientific confirmation for the existence of Bigfoot. The lack of concrete physical evidence such as captured specimen or irrefutable DNA samples pose a significant challenge in gaining widespread acceptance within the scientific community. The burden of proof remains high when it comes to establishing the existence of such an elusive creature. You know, for the longest time, I think it was in Nepal, they had a supposedly the top, like the, the crest of a Bigfoot head. So it was like a cone shape and it had, it was red hair. And for the longest time, like, they told everybody, like, it was a Bigfoot. Like, part, you know, from the Bigfoot. They call it something else there, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the the monks would make, like, treks to, like, go see it. It was, like, a spiritual trek. And yeah. they would go, you know, touch the spirit creature or whatever. And uh, I think they've done DNA evidence on it. And it turned out it was goat. It was goat hair. So they put it together. I guess so. Had to I mean, have. somebody could have gave it to them and told them that's what it was. So right. they could have, without poor realizing it. Yeah. Those poor monks. Yeah. No telling how long that's been oh, in their dang, culture. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> the nature of Bigfoot research presents several inherent challenges that skeptics highlight. The vast and remote areas where legit sightings occur 
make comprehensive investigations difficult. Factors such as, as limiting funds, logistical constraints, and the sheer scale of wilderness to cover pose obstacles to conducting systematic research. These challenges contribute to the difficulty of gathering conclusive evidence. So, parks. I'm telling you, that's where a lot of them are. I mean, that's true. A lot of people go missing in parks. That, but if you think about it, like... There's also a lot of UFO sightings in parks. Not many. (laughs) Not many pieces. Chewbacca. I'm telling you, that's probably where they got their inspiration from. For Chewbacca on TN, they probably did. So it was easy. Let's just throw Bigfoot in the movie and call him something else. Yeah. Yeah. For real, though. Skeptics also emphasize on the role of psychological and cultural influences in shaping beliefs about Bigfoot. They argue that the desire for mysteries, the allure of the unknown, and the cultural narratives contribute to the perpetuation of the Bigfoot legend. Additionally, the power of suggestion and confirmation bias can influence eyewitness testimonies, leading to the creation of false memories or the misinterpretation of ordinary phenomena. While skepticism challenges the various Oh, my first Veracity. one. Veracity, Veracity of Bigfoot claims. It is important to note <clears throat> that the skepticism itself is a crucial aspect of scientific inquiry. So, you know, they had them, uh, like all them Bigfoot shows on, on TV and stuff for the longest time. And I think they just did that to make it look like completely stupid. Yeah, like just they do with the ghost people, videos. Yeah, just to turn people away from it. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because when I was a kid, the paranormal world was so much better. It was. Like, there was so much better videos, better stories out there of encounters yeah, and things like that. it was a little bit harder to fake those kinds of things. I mean, you still could, but it was it was definitely harder to Well, not nowadays. just that, but now there's so many people out there that are just against all of it. So they write so many articles and stuff on it not being real that it just trumps the other one. Yeah. So when you do a Google search, you don't get any, like anything you're actually looking for. Yeah. It's just all stories of why it's not true right. and stuff. And I hate it because when I was younger, it was so easy to find stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can't find it anymore. Nope. I hate it. So scientific skeptics strive to uphold rigorous standards of evidence, <clears throat> demanding reproducible and verifiable data before accepting extraordinary claims. By subjecting Bigfoot research to more critical analysis, skeptics encourage the search for more reliable evidence and foster a robust scientific approach to the investigation. The presence of skepticism in the realm of Bigfoot research is essential for maintaining an objective and balanced perspective. Skeptics play a crucial role in driving researchers to address weaknesses in evidence, refine methodologies, and strengthen the overall scientific integrity of the field. The ongoing dialogue between believers and skeptics encourages a more comprehensive explanation of the Bigfoot phenomenon. So, forgot what I was going to say. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So... Sorry, I was taking a drink. Um concluding thoughts and continuing the journey as we 
reached the final segment of our exploration into the mysteries of Bigfoot, we reflect on the captivity, captivating captivity, where did that even come from? Captivating journey we've embarked upon from the legends rooted in Native American mythology to modern day sightings and scientific investigations. The enigma of Bigfoot continues to intrigue and captivate the imaginations of people worldwide. Throughout our investigation, we've examined the evidence, theories, controversies, and skepticisms surrounding Bigfoot. We've explored footprints and physical traces, discussed audio recordings and vocalizations, and addressed the critical perspective that the challenges that the challenges existence of this elusive creature is of this elusive creature. Good grief. This is messing me up. Blah, blah. <laughs> It is clear that Bigfoot remains an enduring mystery, invoking a sense of wonder and curiosity in those who seek to unravel its secrets. While the scientific community demands concrete evidence before accepting the reality of Bigfoot, it is important to recognize the impact that the legend has had on popular culture and folklore. Bigfoot has become a symbol of the unknown, a reminder that our world still holds secrets waiting to be discovered. Whether you approach the topic with a skeptic eye or an unwavering belief, the exploration of Bigfoot offers an opportunity for personal growth and intellectual curiosity. It encourages us to it encourages us to question, to seek answers, and to remain open to the possibility that there are phenomena yet to be explained. True that. Yeah. Definitely. So, Bigfoot. Uh, there's also some other theories that I have about it because I brought it up before in one of our previous podcasts, I think on the Living Dinosaurs. Um, there was a, there's an extinct ape called Gigant- Gigantopithecus. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a giant ape. So... It could be a remnant of of it, like still living today, because that was during that had to have been during the time of the megafauna, and that was like right before the ice age. Megafauna means like big mammals, and America was or North America was like most rich in those animals. Mm-hmm. So like mammoths, saber tooth stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They had we had like some of the the highest population of, of those type of megafauna here. And I'm pretty sure I, I can't say specifically cause I didn't look, but it was, it had to have been right before the ice age. So there is a lot of animals that actually survived and are still around today. Mm-hmm. So it could be a megafauna that never went extinct or it could be, or another race of human that just is living at the same time that we live because now we're finding all these other human species we weren't homo sapiens weren't the only humans on earth right which is crazy to think about because you know not too long ago that was the the general thought right was that we were the only ones well now we're finding there's been multiple species and we were all living together on the planet at the same time yeah imagine that you've never seen another race 
I mean, if you were isolated and you just see another race, like you see someone from China and you've never seen anyone from China before, right. that's a culture shock to begin with. But right. if you find somebody that's completely anatomically different than you are, right. that's a big shock. You And you may even call them some type of creature and make up a legend behind them. I mean, you could. You know, like they had, they, they've proven that uh, the dwarfs were real, like the pygmies. Over in the Philippines, there was a race of little people that lived there. They were, Ow. they were only, oh, good God, <laughs> stupid desk. Beats they were me up only all the like, time. they were only like four feet tall. And I don't know exactly how many. I think we're at like seven species now, seven different species that were all living together at the same time. So who's to say Bigfoot isn't just another one of those? Right, that hasn't yet died out. Yeah, and didn't want to domesticate because they seen all the violence that the other species were doing. So well, they maybe they are, but again, doing it in private because they don't want to integrate with this fucking psycho world yeah. we got going on right now. And who's to say we haven't found bones of them or anything? Yet? Right. What if they are, their skeleton just looks like a big human? Right. And those are those giants that we find in the mounds in North America. Right. When they find those, you know, seven to nine foot tall giants buried in the mound, who's to say that isn't a Bigfoot? Well, because, I mean, if you think about it, they'd be that tall, right? Right. But everybody just assumes that because they look like some type of primate that they were going to have a type of crest on their head like a uh, like a gorilla does because gorillas have a crest that run down the middle of their skull. Mm. So everybody just assumes that, but we don't know. I mean, nobody's ever seen a body of them. So who's to say that they have a crest? So I don't know. That's just a theory that I have. And then there's the theory of they're from another world. Chewbacca. They're yes, Chewbacca. the Chewbaccas. Or there's also the theory that they live in a different dimension. And then there's also the theory that they're not even physical, that they're, they're spiritual. spiritual. So with all those thrown out there, which one do, would you lean most towards? If Bigfoot was real. I don't know. I mean, I know I said at the beginning, you know, they're Chewbacca. That's what you're going for? But, I mean, well, that's just me saying that. No, that's fine. It's called an opinion. You can say whatever you want. (laughs) Well, I know, but I'm I'm saying that because, I mean, (laughs) because you said that alien, you know, UFOs are prominent when there's a sighting of one. So, who's to say that it's not? like that and then but again where do they get their inspiration for chewbacca <laughs> yes because he resembles that's one. a that's something that people have been tying together now because there's been times where people will encounter or, or have a sighting of a ufo and not long after that they'll encounter a creature in the woods that's crazy or bigfoot in the woods what are they just like dropping them off here you go here's your new home that's what it seems like or, you know, maybe they're just, either they're dropping them off, or maybe they're... Are they slowly there's some trying that to got, integrate them? I maybe mean, there's some that got left behind. And oh so that's God. why the UFOs are out there in the rural... Maybe that's Ooh. why they're only out in the rural areas, maybe. Yeah. Like the uh, the UFOs, because they're out in the rural areas because they're trying to find their lost comrades. Could be. They're trying to find out, hey, well, you right. know, where did they go? What happened to them? So that's what you're going for. Yeah, sure. I... I do like the idea of the forest spirit. I do, but if I had to pick one, I would say it's physical. 
is a it's a physical entity and that it's most likely a an evolved version of a gigantopithecus yeah because change can happen really fast evolution really doesn't take millions of air, years no selective breeding can change a lot well yeah i mean look at dogs yeah exactly perfect example dogs have changed dramatically and just they can change dramatic you can make a whole new species of dogs in just like i would say probably like 100 years just yeah. by selective selectively breeding you can make a new breed and we've made so many breeds that way who's to say that that isn't just what happened with the bigfoot selective breeding made them smaller a little more slender they were more intelligent and they just hide from everyone they hide from everyone because they would see all the indigenous people that would hunt down giant creatures like him. Yeah. You know, they're hunting mammoths, and mammoths are bigger than a Bigfoot. Yeah. And they're watching this mammoth get killed by all these people. They're right. not going to want to show their face, you know? Yeah, who would? Right. And so maybe that's where the story, uh, the stories of the uh, malevolent ones come from, from the indigenous tribes. Because... Maybe they killed one of them. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe they are like the like us, or you know, in a sense, like crows. They they remember when you're mean to them, and then they go and then they they spread the word to all their other buddies, right? Crows do. That's true. I think it's like a subconscious thing. Yeah. Like they don't <laughs> even have to, because it's really weird how some animals are literally they don't have to be taught something. They're. Mm -hmm that is just crazy if you really really think about it an animal is born and already knows how to do certain things yeah without being taught right it's just wild like uh i mean you know there's birds that build nests all types of different ways there's this bird that builds a nest to where it has a fake hole has a latch and a fake hole so there's a hole and it has a latch inside of it and it sticks its beak in there and lifts up the, the latch so it can get inside where its babies are. Mm. When it goes inside, the latch closes. Mm -hmm. And that's so if a snake crawls up into the nest, there's the hole, it crawls in the hole, but the hole's a dead end and right. it can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. That's just crazy. They're and they're smart. They're born knowing how to do that. Right. That's wild. They're smart. So smart, it smart, smart. must be encoded in their DNA. So as host of the Eureka Conspiracy and Paranormal Podcast, we invite you to continue your own journey of discovery, explore the vast landscape of cryptozoology, dive into other unexplained phenomena, and engage in conversations that challenge your perspective. The world of the unexplained is rich with stories, legends, and mysteries waiting to be unraveled. Remember to approach your investigations with an open mind, critical thinking, and a healthy dose of skepticism. Embrace the wonders of the unknown, but also remain vigilant in seeking verifiable evidence and avoiding the pitfalls of hoaxes and misinterpretations. Thank you for joining us on this captivating expedition into the realm of Bigfoot. We hope that our exploration has sparked your curiosity and encouraged you to delve deeper into the mysteries that surround us. Until our next episode, keep questioning, keep searching, and keep exploring the extraordinary. <laughs> so if you guys have any other suggestions, I'm going to put up a uh, another question. Um, we're going to try to follow a pattern as long as we have suggestions. We'll, 
we'll do a uh, a listener suggestion, then we'll you know we'll do our own suggestion, and then we'll do a listener, and then do our own. So as long as they keep coming in, we guys will will we'll do them. Yeah, we'll, we will definitely do them. Even you know, if I don't like it, <laughs> <laughs> there is. Uh, we also have a our Twitter page that you can follow, Eureka Conspira One, and just get on there and communicate with us. Let us know something. We also need guests. We would love to have encounters that anyone has had, uh, whether they be ghosts, uh, cryptids, anything of that nature, even even UFO sightings. Uh, if you can fill up the time, then yeah, we would love to have you on and hear other people's other people's interpretations of things in this world that we don't or, understand. I mean, send them to the email. Yeah, or our email. We can email. do a whole episode on mm-hmm. listeners' experiences. Uh, Eureka Conspiracy at gmail.com. We love ghost stories, especially. Oh, man. Those yes. are so interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> very fun. So... Did we already read that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then we're done. Oh, golly. Okay, guys. Uh, we're probably going to do another one on Wednesday because this is our episode from last week. We will just see how things play out. Yeah. But we're going to try to get that done. So thank you guys for tuning in and giving us our best two months of our podcast yeah. so far. Heck yeah. All right. Till next time. Bye.